Welcome back. This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Wellish. Christina Ray Stanton, welcome to Wellish. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be here. We've, it's, it's great to finally talk to you. Yes. Amen. I know. I've been trying. We, we've been trying to nail this interview for so long. So I'm so glad that I finally been able to connect with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to let people introduce themselves. So tell me who you are, what you're about, what your goal is, what your passion is, all that good stuff. So, you know, if anybody, if, if your listeners or watchers um, know anything about Enneagram, I'll just say I'm your typical Enneagram seven. And for those who know Enneagram, that's all they need to know. Yes. <laughs> for those who don't, I'll give you a small, uh, short rundown that um, I'm originally from Florida. I moved to New York City when I was 23 years old in 1993 to be an actress. And that kind of started my whole journey. Um, and it's taken lots of twists and turns and has seen a lot of reinventions. Again, if whether you know Enneagram or not, <laughs> a seven is all about reinvention and I yes. follow that pattern. So, um, I have done several things in my life. All of them have been fun and fulfilling and, um, uh, and the bumps would also be, um, you know, there's been some, some, some trauma and, um, that I've hopefully grown from and learned from and which Amen. brings me to today. And today, essentially, um, I'm a licensed New York city tour guide and I'm an author and a writer, and my husband and I own a nonprofit. Oh, so that's that awesome. is that is a very big picture overview. Yeah, you got a lot going on though under your belt. That's pretty impressive that you're able to juggle all of those things. What's your nonprofit? Um, it's called Loving All Nations, and it we started at see we 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 uh, got the status uh, in um, uh, in uh, 2016. And essentially it helps, it helps the, the poor and vulnerable um, internationally specifically. Okay. And for instance, I, we leave for South Africa in a week and we um, help several nonprofits there, several orphanages um, and other um, nonprofits with um, the work that they do. And uh, I fell in love with that country. I fell in love with quite a few countries, but that one in spe uh, specifically. And we always go every year just to check on our partners, see how everybody's doing, what are new initiatives. And so that's what we're launching in about um, a week. So Sweet. that's so impressive. That's so cool. So I know, so you mentioned that you're a writer. I know you've written your books, both about your experiences with 9-11 and with COVID-19, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've written quite a few articles. I think, uh, okay. 60 articles on, uh, different aspects, different things about nine 11, but also I have a series that I've been writing for a few years about inspirational people. And I know that you, you can relate to that. <laughs> because, Absolutely. But, you know, I find a lot of, of inspiration personally, from hearing other people's stories. Oh my God. I was just talking about this. Yes. I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I do, I do. And I, I've come across so many amazing people in my life. Um, uh, for instance, South Africa, I'll just use that since I just was speaking about it is uh, a lot. There's, I've met so many people who overcome 
uh, trials and tribulations I'll, I, I haven't had. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's just, uh, but you know, we can all identify with suffering and yeah. I just, uh, it's just different genres of suffering and overcoming. And I'm just so inspired by people, whether we've, I can relate or not relate. I, I just, I just appreciate the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've written probably 30 articles on people who have inspired me. That's incredible. I, I, like I said, I was just talking about that. I totally agree. I feel like I'm a big self-help girl. Like I love reading the books and stuff for the tools and the skills that you can learn, but there's just something about a documentary and like hearing people's mistakes and what they've been through and their like things, like good things that they've been through. It's so relatable. feels so good. And, it, and, it, and it's also helpful for, for, it's helpful for all of us. I know for me, when I read something about someone, I think, I think, wow, it's, you know, they, they went through so much and they were able to forgive uh, the people who caused them such dr- trauma. Yeah. And I really recall it. Like if I'm, kind of angry at somebody or somebody did something to, to tick me off or push some buttons. I, you know, I literally, I will recall some of those stories and think, Hey, listen, what, what did that person overcome? Yeah. And sure. you can certainly, you know, take the, t- take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. you know, looking at the speck in somebody else's because, you know, there's somebody else in this world who, you know, forgave somebody. I just don't know if I could. And yeah. um, so it, it puts things into perspective for me when I hear um, inspirational stories of how people overcame. I agree a hundred percent. So can you kind of shifting into, you know, shifting into the bad stuff as we do, <laughs> um, can you just give me, I don't need you to like dive all into it, but can you give me like a brief blurb about what your experience was with 9-11 and COVID? Yeah, and it's a, a different perspective. It is pr- the perspective of of somebody who uh, who lived in and still lives in the neighborhood where the attacks took place in New York City. So, so to get more specific, my husband and I uh, rented an apartment uh, six blocks away from the Real Trade Center complex. And that morning, our stuff was still in boxes. We'd only lived there for two months. Oh, wow. That morning, I was still asleep and my husband was awake. The The impact of the first plane hitting the North Tower shook our building and he knew something horrible had happened. So we ran into the bedroom, got me up. We ran into our terrace. And that was another kind of unique aspect of our story is we had a wonderful 300 square foot terrace on the 24th floor that overlooked the twin towers. We got it specifically because we love the view mm-hmm. of the, of the uh, twin towers. And we just saw flames on either side of the North tower. We thought somebody might have snuck in a bomb. Um, we, we didn't know what had happened, wow. but all of a sudden over our right hand shoulder, the second plane came, went right in front of us, turned and went right into the South tower. And the interesting thing about that is, is of how it affected us. We, we, we were so close mm-hmm. and that plane was moving so fast. It actually blew us back into our living room. You're and lying. It, wow. No, you know, I, when I explain to, to school groups and I speak a lot about nine 11 to school groups all over the country, I I'll, I'll say to the kids, Hey, you have you watched a movie where like a bomb went off and, and near people, what happens and it blows them back. Um, from the impact and um, the shock waves. And so anyway, that's really what happened to us. Um, knocked me out. I woke up with my dog jumping on me. And I heard my husband saying, 
uh, different things. Uh, I remember him saying, do you want your shoes? And I was just in such a kind of a crazed panic space. I, yeah. I jumped up, ran into the lo- our lobby <clears throat> on the 24th floor and ran down the 24 flights. Um, my husband grabbed our dog and ran after me. And when we got outside, I realized I wasn't wearing shoes. I didn't, I wasn't wearing clothes really. I was in pajamas and but uh, we we ended up evacuating to a nearby park. And if anybody is uh, familiar with New York City or Manhattan, it, it basically the island ends in a 25-acre park called Battery Park. So we thought we were we were safe there, but we weren't. When the Twin Towers came down, they covered us with um, with ash and debris. We couldn't breathe, and we ran around and clouds of smoke, uh, black smoke for hours. And, you know, to the point where we said goodbye to each other, we just couldn't imagine being able to hold out too much longer if things got another level of worse that it wasn't going to turn out well for us. And it was just a really, a real um, terrible situation, but also like emotionally, I just was thinking, gosh, that was, that was it. You know, that was, that's the, that's the extent of my 32 years on this earth. And Mm -hmm what a way to go. And, and knowing that people, uh, so many people had died, we saw dead people in battery park. I mean, it was just, it was just literally like an Armageddon. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, afterwards, like a movie, um, it was like a, like a very bad, uh, horror movie. Yeah. We were evacuated by boat and actually the largest boat evacuation in history. And wow. um, we were dropped off in Jersey, got back into apartment several weeks later because our, our, it was off limits to go where we lived um, after 9-11. And, you know, our things kind of devolved. Personally, uh, we started suffering from PTSD. Our dog ended up dying from 9-11 causes, no. which was a whole other story. My, and then worst of all, my husband's uh, good, good friend, he realized, had died in and a fraternity brother from uh, Clemson University had died in 9/11, and it just was, it was, it was long and ugly and 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 tough and an unknown for us. And mm-hmm. so it was just, yeah, it was, it it started us kind of down this this just journey that really continues to this day. I, I tell people that all of my roads, all of our roads, me and my my husband and I lead back to that day because everything going on in our lives right now are really is a direct result of that day and choices we made in the aftermath uh, due to the drama and trauma. So, so it really affected us so deeply. And also we were newlyweds. We had started off our marriage really with that happening. And that also kind of set a tone in our marriage too, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So do you ever wonder like what, how different your life would be if that hadn't happened? Oh, sure. Sure. I I think about it a, a lot and I'm pretty convinced that, what it did was, uh, I think we still had that kind of um, early 30s, pie in the sky, upward mobility. I'm going to do this. I'm going to see that. Here's what I'm going to do with my life. It's all about me. It's all about, um, I make it happen. Uh, to realizing that, you know, there's there's a, a fair amount in life that we're not in control of. A fair mm. amount that we are and a fair amount that we're not in control Amen. of. And I, had, I hadn't reached that realization. Just a lot of, I think... I think life realizations that people do reach later, I, I got earlier. Yeah. And so that was part of the, of, of putting us on a different road because mm-hmm. we felt like, wow, life isn't, life isn't really what we 
thought it was going to be. So let's wrap our brain around this new normal of how we perceive life and, yeah. and future and the suffering and and the purpose on on our time on this planet. And I, I, I don't think we would have been asking those questions in our early 30s if it weren't for 9-11, at least yeah. not until 20, 30 years later. That's for sure. Well, and then one of the things that I think both COVID and 9-11 taught us is how quickly life can change and you're not in control, like you were just saying. How would you say that's changed your perspective on the ways that you live your life now? Definitely with 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 purpose. We, I, I mean, it, it just the, the understanding that things can change on a dime, things can change despite all of our work to make it happen otherwise, um, that, that every day does count. Um, every, um, every endeavor is, is I, I do approach kind of everything. Is this worth doing? Is it worth doing now? Is it something that uniquely me can do or should I leave it to somebody else or should, you know, um, I think that's probably in my nature inherently, but it, there was a new sense of urgency that, that never left. Like I never, it never left that I, um, that I don't still kind of weigh and balance mm-hmm. our, our endeavors, our relationships, our, our work, uh, where we live, what we do, what populates our, our, our lives and our world. And, and, and there is a sense of urgency of, of there's not all the time in the world for this. Yeah. This needs to be done now. And this, uh, if, if it's to be done at all, and if we want this in our, in our lives. So there, there is that sense. And, and it definitely did strengthen things such as our faith. We didn't have any, honestly, before um, 9-11. We grew up, um, we grew up in, 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 in household faiths of our families that didn't stand the test of time with us. We, uh, we ended up uh, through 9-11, um, that also pressed the issue of, well, you know, what do we believe, if anything? And um, that's another question that I probably wouldn't have asked. Maybe never would have asked that one. And mm-hmm. so that was another, uh, another major life change that um, did set us on a different course as well. So, yeah, I, but I would say that the sense of urgency is something that I, that I feel daily. Yeah. So can you touch on then your experience with COVID? Right. So, so um, it wasn't known right away, um, but a few years after there was the understanding that, hey, people are sick and dying um, who, who lived or worked or went to school uh, um, downtown uh, lower Manhattan or who worked on the pile when, you know, the rescue workers or cleanup crew. And so the, the realization came that the, when the, when the twin towers crumbled, they crumbled into a toxic matter that the matter itself was toxic and it's caused over 70 different types of cancer and wow. affected again. I mean, did you know that we just passed the threshold of there's been more people to die from inhaling and ingesting that uh, that debris than people who died that day, meaning there's been more than 3,000 people who died in the aftermath, meaning even now, all these decades later. So I think there it is um, something that everybody should know that it's affecting people's health to this day and mm-hmm. that more people have died in the aftermath of, of cancer-related causes than, than who died on the day. So it's still wreaking havoc to this day. So that being the case, definitely my husband and I, our health has been compromised 
because of uh, inhaling that the, the toxins. And that is a reason why I believe that we got a bad case of COVID. Um, so we're a member of something called the World Trade Center Health Registry, which is kind of a club that you'd never want to join. It is literally a club, um, a group that where our health is monitored um, mm. because we're residents of the attack zone. And so they, they we're, we're constantly tested and, 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 and as a group and individually to see uh, where our health is, where our health is standing. So we were told that we get a lot of updates through this, this group um, that, hey, um, COVID's coming our way. This is in you know, early 2020. If you, can, if, if you can get out of New York City or if you can somehow um, uh, make yourself more safe, that this might be bad for you. And, un and unfortunately, it did kill, uh, COVID did kill a lot of people who suffered from lingering 9-11 health um, issues. And so my husband and I actually took that warning seriously as, as we do. And we left um, uh, the city about March 15th around then to, to go down to Florida to try to get away from the cesspool of living, you know, all cramped and on top of each other like, like one yeah. does in Manhattan. And we either caught it and carried with us on the plane or we caught it on the plane or we caught it right when we got off the plane in Florida, but we were uh, struck pretty quickly, pretty early on. And, and I almost didn't survive it. I was hospitalized twice and told I had a 50% a chance of surviving. And um, it was, that was another time period that it was, a, it was pretty touch and go and, and telling people goodbye and, and that kind of thing. And, um, uh, but that one is definitely related to 9-11. So when I say all my roads lead back to that time, I, I mean it in a very physical sense as well as, as, as emotionally. But um, I was spared again from that and, and yet again feel, feel, feel uh, uh, grateful and uh, to, to have survived a, a few more years to tell the tale. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I talk about, um, in a book I wrote about that is, um, some of the lessons that I learned from 9-11 actually stood me well during mm -hmm. the COVID bout because um, now I'm, I was no stranger to suffering. I was no stranger to, to um, crisis and I was able to deal with it better um, having had that 9-11 experience and, and, and having a life journey that taught me, hey, we're... Um, uh, things are unfair. Um, suffering is real and happens to everyone. And I had some more coping skills that I didn't have when I was 32 and going through 9-11. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really talk about in my COVID book is, is putting those coping skills and how it looked like in real time and, and, um, and putting them into play. So that was uh, part of the journey. And just so you know, my next book is going to be super happy. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the inspirational quotes. <laughs> it is. I'm writing a book now on all my tour. I'm a, I'm a licensed New York City tour guide and I've been one for 30 years about tour guide shenanigans. So that was okay. going to be fun. 
fun romp through New York. You know what? You deserve that happy book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you actually can laugh. You know? Yeah, like, really. Oh my God. What an extraordinary life experience. Survive, survive things is having a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? so true. I mean, I oh my God. come on out. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I mean, I can't even, I feel like the average person just can't even begin to wrap their brain around what you have been through. I mean, the fact that you had to say goodbye to family two times in your life for two totally separate events, but also they're connected. Wow. And all out of your control. <laughs> I, I read a, I read an article that, that was, that had national coverage of, about how my faith informs how I deal with, with drama, trauma and, and suffering and God bless it. I know I, you're not supposed to, if you're, if you're a writer, you're not supposed to, or, or a public person, you're not supposed to read comments. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I may or may not every once in a while sneak in a comment, but I'm going to help yourself. One person said, it sounds like God hates her. Jeez, uh, <laughs> well, that's not the, uh, you know, I, I just, for some reason, I just kind of appreciated that. And for some reason that made me laugh because yeah, I, guess, sure. yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. But, you know, it, it, that was entertaining and entertaining. Comment. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> what would you say is like a common emotion that you felt during both of those events? I, oh, and this, I, this is hard to reveal about myself because it's, 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 it's telling you uh, something I, I kind of, uh, I'm challenged with, but anger, I do, I Ooh. do have it in me to get angry. And you know what they say about anger though? They say anger is, is really just a cover up emotion for sorrow. And I really uh, agree with that. It's easier. It's a lower hanging fruit to get angry, harder to, to have sorrow kind of stare at you in the face, because maybe that means that you're going to have to invest more in your emotions when I just would rather be angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much there. easier to lash out. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> let's just get real here, right? I remember in 9-11, I was, talk, uh, I was angry when I was saying goodbye to my husband because I was like, dang it. I just got married. I found this wonderful man. We just moved into this fabulous apartment. I, and at the time I was still an actress. I had been up for some, uh, some Broadway shows. I was like, I'm about to get on Broadway. All my dreams are about to come true or they have come true. And just now, right now, you know, all that for that. And right. um, it was just like a feeling of like, why me, you know, and, and, and why now? Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and COVID, Anger, anger, because, you know, there, uh, there's that, that if I had just planned better, <clears throat> we could have moved away earlier and we wouldn't have, uh, from New York city and we wouldn't have gotten it. Or da- I was even, Hey, I was even mad at New York city. I was, I remember thinking like, dang it, the city's tried to kill me again. Really? How <laughs> could, really? How could you not? <laughs> I was like blaming everybody, myself and New York city included, like nobody was, was. <laughs> Uh, it was absolved of like my anger. Yeah. But, um, but you know, uh, I, I really don't think that though. I'm not one to look at a calamity and blame God. Okay. I just think that we're, it, it, there is a, a randomness to this and what, what is, and if, if, if God's anywhere in this, meaning if somebody's a spiritual person that, 
that uh, if, if God told us anything, it's that, that we're, in a, we're in a world full of suffering that I don't believe that he created. And so that's easy for me. I know that that's a, a sticky point that's harder for others to, to kind of work through in their brain. And I, I respect that and I get that. I have my own things that are, some are, that, that are challenging for me to comprehend. But um, no, um, I, I just have a harder time accessing sorrow because it's, it's hard feeling pain. It's really hard to, 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 to feel pain and to, to, to access that sorrow because I don't want to. I'd rather access just about anything else. So Yeah. So how do you cope with this then? Like, how do you cope with the anger? And do you, have you ever looked the sorrow in the face? Like, what does that look like? So, yeah, yeah, you know, some things that that I think have helped me is to, I mean, I do have to feel the feels kind of thing, like, meaning I have to literally kind of make myself feel bad. Mm. And because I would rather just gloss over it, get pissed off and and go throw a tantrum somewhere that I really do have to, to literally embrace the feels and um, embrace the sorrow. So there are different ways that I approach that to make sure that I'm, I'm doing that because it only does my, myself a disservice to not do it. It's going to come out somewhere else. You know, if I don't go ahead and embrace what, what's actually happening, it'll come out in some other way that's unhealthy. So mm-hmm. and in an inconvenient time. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. Exactly. You want it like now that you have time, now that you've realized it, do what you need to do. Um, stay at home, get some rest, um, cry, um, check out of social media for a while. Um, check, I call it turn off the noise for a while and just be my, by yourself and just do what you need to do to let it out. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's in the healthiest space you can put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's, there's, there's other things too, is, is feeling grateful. And I know that's hard at different times, but I remember during COVID, we, uh, there was an online groups that formed immediately of COVID sufferers. And I joined, right? Because to tell you the truth, in those early days, of, and when I was in the hospital and of, of COVID, Sometimes I felt like our, my community um, knew more about what's happening than the doctors did. And not that, um, nothing against the doctors. I mean, they, they saved my life, but it, it was more of, you know, when my hair started falling out, when my lips uh, got plumped up, when, I mean, the craziest things were happening to my body, because literally an alien was trying to kill it. That uh, it was my online community of strangers that we were comparing notes. And I remember like somebody threw out, okay, you all, let's talk about something that we're grateful for. And there is, it, it, people do say, or, or, or I think um, <clears throat> professionals say that gratitude is, is one of the more healing emotions. And I did notice that when, when I would say, hey, I'm in the hospital, I'm, I'm freezing my butt off. Uh, I don't have enough sheets and clothes and the, the nurses weren't seeing me a lot because they'd had to put on all of this gear to be able to go in and, and attend to me that um, when I finally did get slipped a, uh, a blanket, I was just so happy to be warm because I just hate being cold. And um, so, so, you know, I was telling people, I just got a blanket and I'm warm. Or when um, uh, I was also really grateful that I had my computer because we left the home quickly to go to the hospital that I had, uh, my husband had thought of getting the computer or getting the charger. So, so that's, that was my portal to the outside world. So there was actually a lot to be thankful for. 
And it was, that was very helpful. And just being in community. I mean, I, I know that I'm an extrovert and I know that there's a lot of introverts that have a hard time opening up or letting people in, but really we were created for community. So um, in, in its community that can also lift us out of, of a, a, a bad space. Like, just like I said, that I get inspiration from people. Um, I also look to people for community. So uh, to be there for each other. And again, easy for me, extrovert, but I also think there's something to be said about everybody having some level of that in their lives, especially when things get tough mm -hmm. and walking through life with others is just super important. And I had that and, and I, and I still access that because those are gratitude and, 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 and being in community are important things. It's funny you bring those two things up because those are two things that gratitude is are two things that I was gonna say that I was I've been working on lately because gratitude for me is something I feel like we've all heard our whole lives like you just have to be grateful that's like how your ticket out of any bad situation is look for what you're grateful for and to constantly take note of that and I you know obviously can recognize that on a surface level but I've never this is the first time in my life I've ever like actually taken the time every single day to write five things down that I'm grateful for. And at first I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, this is cool. Like at least I can see it in a day, but it genuinely, I can notice things in a day. And if I'm not noticing it in the day, when I take the time to go back and reflect on these simple things, like how you talk about a, a blanket, it's something so what you would think simple, but it's so impactful. And it just changed the trajectory of your day and your outlook on your day makes such a difference and then the community thing too is like I have this like individuality complex that I'm like I'm gonna do everything myself and I'll get through it and that's gonna make me strongest because I did it by myself but it's the community that lifts you up and why sit there and suffer and be alone when it's so much easier to just like lean on people that know what you're going through it, yes uh, but and one more thought about the gratitude when I was in the hospital I was looking at the, I'd, I'd turn on the TV and almost every single channel had something to do with COVID and horrible facts and all these people, they, all these priests dying in Italy and this and that. I, I noticed whenever I would watch the TV, I, I, I could literally feel my health get worse. I would get on social media. The same thing was happening. Everybody was sharing and resharing different COVID statistics. And so I had to get off that. I couldn't talk to anybody on the phone because I had no lung capacity. So all I had left really was my community talking about gratitude. I also looked up at uplifting things. I also did some praying and I noticed again, a, a, a huge change in my health for the better when I would do those things. But that was as close as I've been to recognizing when, because literally if, if the virus was inside me trying very hard to kill me and it, it came close and there was even one night in particular, I, I'm still very grateful to have made it through that night because it was waging all out war to kill me. And there's only, there's only, I feel like a few crucial, critical reasons why I've made it through that night and specifically, but I've never been in a situation where I've been pared down to that, mm -hmm. to whether I'm, what I'm watching on TV and, and, and let's say a prayer. It's like, it's never gotten to that kind of level. And I'm convinced, and I saw it play out it just in that situation alone, that there are things that can really make all the difference between like a life or death. And so I felt like, 
I, I, I could see gratitude play out in an extremely, I'll probably never get that kind of opportunity again to see how the, it, it immediately affects you. Yeah. Health wise in a very big way. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is there a time limit on grieving? I feel you're going to say no, like everybody's is going to be their own time limit in, in a sense, but how do you know when to allow yourself the time to grieve and then nip it in the butt and start your self-care and start to move forward? I think that's that one of the reasons why I feel that that's a, such a hard, hard thing to answer is because we are all built so very differently. Yeah. And I think to flip it on its ear, what, what, instead of a mourning period, what there should be is a period of self-care to the point where your, your body and your mind is going to be able to move on and accept and embrace a new normal and be a flexible to be able to move into the next phase. If, if you're practicing the self-care that's needed to um, be able to make that transition, I think a lot of people, if they're stuck in mourning, they're stuck in a transition period because they don't have other things speaking into their lives that's helping them move to the next stage and to move out of it. So rather than putting a more of a period on a morning phase. It's more of opening yourself up to self-care that will just in turn move yourself um, into a level of acceptance that you can move on. But that's the thing is, is if somebody's stuck in transition, it's, it's, it's because they're not, there's not a portal for, for them to move on. I know there, there's, there's this Maya Angelou quote, um, something like, um, the worst thing is to have an untold story that's locked inside of you, something along those lines. And to me, what that means is if there's, if, if there's, there's hurt or literally a story that can't get out there, there's only so much of a, an ability to move on from it. Mm-hmm. So you need to be uh, accessing and recognizing and speaking to that story within you and letting it out, whether it's to a therapist, whether it's to a friend, whether it's to a community um, that where you can embrace the story, let it be heard, let yourself be heard. So, so healing can take place and in, in, in your, 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 your whole body and mind can move on to the next phase. And that's just important stuff. And, um, yeah, it, you know, there's, there's something called trauma, uh, anniversary trauma, where if, if you have a, a horrible thing happen in your life that there's that, you know, or there's even a, a book about it called, I think the body keeps the score where literally it comes out in different ways, totally apart from anything you're conjuring up in your brain. But let's say the anniversary of that, that harmful situation um, you, you start to get depressed or, 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 or do things that you don't normally do. Um, and I love the fact that, that psychology has advanced enough to be able to recognize these things that you, you just know that you can address it. You're not being weird or you're not, um, you're not stunted. This is just, and this is what you, your, your body does. The body keeps the score. The body remembers whether your brain, uh, you know, realizes it or not. And the important thing is to embrace and to give yourself peace, to give your, to give yourself uh, leverage, to know that, you know, it's okay to mourn and grieve and it's, um, and it's okay to, um, 
to practice self-care and it's okay to embrace what you need to do to be able to move on, whatever that means for people. And there's, there's a million ways to, to be able to, to speak to the trauma inside of you so you're able to heal and, emb- and embrace the, the new normal in your life to move on. Mm-hmm. I, something that I think was so powerful that you said was how you lived your life differently now because of the trauma than you had before. So what do you think is that biggest difference? Like, how are you living before that you think you're doing better than now because of these things? Just, just being really uh, self-absorbed. Also, there is, there is some, there, there is folly uh, to a degree of thinking that, um, I remember my friend gave me this cross-stitched, this cross-stitched phrase, um, and I still have it. Everything I want to be is simply up to me. And I keep that because I don't really believe it. There, there's an aspect of it's true. There's an aspect that it's not mm-hmm. because, and, 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 and I think it, it's important to recognize the difference because that's what it made a difference in me is that yes, you, you work and you strive and you save and you plan and you uh, get educated to be able to create a life that, that, that you, that you want to live, that you're meant to live just to know though, that there are going to be some curveballs that are outside of, of your realm that is, is going to, is going to knock you away from some of that. And that all the planning in the world isn't going to foresee and all of the um, education and work um, is, is not going to address. So you, you plan and you, uh, you work hard um, to know that when, when you get the curveballs, that you're, you're, you're not knocked for a loop and that's when you implode, mm-hmm. that your plan B comes out and your plan B comes out because you're, you have the, the strength, the inner strength to realize this isn't me. I don't have to implode over this. Uh, this was outside of my control. I accept that. I've made peace with it. Now we got to go to the plan B because I've seen at 53 years old, I've seen when some, some things come knocking people's, you know, house of straw down, which is in a sense, what, what we all build that they have a hard time recovering from that. And that's where, that's where you don't want to be. You don't want to be in that position where you've worked so hard and, and when, when, when the challenges come as they will, that you have a hard time recovering and moving on, that's the bad place to be. Mm. You want to be uh, uh, knowledgeable enough and aware enough to know that, hey, you know what? Some things are gonna be so hard that I, it's, it's, just, it's gonna be brutal, but mm. I'm gonna have that plan B because I'm gonna know that I'm worthy, um, I'm, I, I have the capacity to love and be loved. I'm a good person and I'm going to embrace this plan B as painful as it is because I want to live and I want to thrive and I want to flourish. And my plan B, my or plan C or plan D is, is going gonna, is gonna to lead to flourishing. But what's not going to lead to flourishing is, is something coming out of left field that you um, that you didn't want and that you resent like hell and it shuts you down. That's where you don't want to be. Yeah. I think too, I kind of, what I gather from that is building those skills while you're, you know, 
throughout your entire life because when those curveballs do come and get thrown at you, you're not totally knocked back down to zero. You start from you know, even if you're, you know, at a five out of a hundred, you know, you still are able to say, okay, these are the skills that I have to get myself to plan B, accept that that's happening and then roll with the punches as they come. Yeah. I like that idea. And it's important to know what you're not good at, yeah. like what you suck at, you know, like that was a later realization for me is actually I suck at a lot of things. I think I suck at more things than I'm good at and <laughs> it's just like personal failures, like, uh, yeah, not wanting to embrace pain, um, not wanting to, um, but yeah, the low hanging fruit of reaching for anger. Um, I, I have, um, a, a, a big sense of, of friends betraying me, which, which is largely made up, right? That's meaning, meaning a lot of that is in my head because of different childhood wounds, but that's knowing your childhood wounds and, um, uh, try if, if not trying to overcome them, just being aware of them. So when, again, when, when something comes knocking you down and you have a big visceral reaction to it, you're like, you know what? Yeah, that sucks. But I'm also having a big reaction because of my childhood wound here or because I'm not good at this here. And um, that's also part of accessing the ability to move on is realizing what you're not good at and what your challenges are going to be emotionally in this life. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go to we're going to go to our deaths, not having not being the, the perfect person or overcoming this obstacle emotionally that you always wanted to. And you know what? That's OK. We're just learning to to have the narrative of of I'm going to I'm going to navigate myself out of this the best way possible, knowing that I'm going to I'm going to be I have a hard time with this. You know, yeah. we just do the best we can. But there's got to be a level of self-awareness or it's we're just going to be knocked down and not get up. Yeah. And that's, and that's where we don't want to be. Yeah. What character traits would you, have you, do you think you've always carried that give you this strength? I mean, you are such a fighter, like being able to make it through all of these events. is just like so impressive to me. I don't think a lot of people would be able to do this. So is there something you've always kind of carried with you that you would give credit to for this? Yes. 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 I hope. I know that sounds trite, but there is, there is a strength and a hope. And, and hope is, is a tenet of, of the, the faith that I, that I self-identify as, but there's a lot of hope in, in different faith systems, but faith is, uh, hope is, is, is really important because that, that allows you to say, hey, this sucks, but I hope that, I, I have hope that there's going to be a better day or, or, hey, um, I, 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 this person did this to me and I, I'm devastated, whether it's a husband cheating or, or a best friend ghosting you or whatever it may be. Those are things that would be very hurtful to me. But I, I just feel that hope would be, um, is, is, is right there. My, 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 the forefront of my brain saying that there's a, there's another path that's going to lead to happiness because I have hope that there is a reason for my existence that, that I'm meant to flourish, that I'm meant to have love and be happy and that I'm meant to give back. And that I'm, I'm meant to be, um, in community with other people. Uh, but I do have that, that, that kind of bedrock of, of hope that pretty much leads me out of, of everything. And I think that can be cultivated if it's not there naturally. And, and, and a lot of faith, um, will, will cultivate that, um, just even on that level, if it's not something that we have, you know, in, 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 in born in us. Can you elaborate on that? How do you cultivate it? 
Um, like I said, if it's if it's not something that that's our low hanging fruit in our lives, then again, adopting um, uh, a, a, some kind of a faith is a lot of faith is based on um, hope of 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 that somebody had created you, that you are created with a purpose and a design, and that there is. Um, uh, there's a there's a bigger meaning other than you and your wants that there is a bigger call on your life so I feel like a lot of different faith um, uh, can can inform that um, in somebody but also again if you're just practicing self-care if you're if you're self-aware and if you're following different um, systems that that involve self-care a lot of them are based in hope hope that the the, the human um, humans can triumph over adversity, that there's a lot of systems that you can adopt. Like I have several friends in AA. AA is all about hope, you know, um, and it's not a faith. Uh, it doesn't subscribe to a certain faith, but it's about the hope that each, uh, let's just concentrate on the day because there's hope in the day. There's hope of, of a better future if we're concentrating on today. And um, so again, you know, what Whatever works, if if uh, there's there's plenty of, of ways and, and systems to adopt that um, that can manufacture hope. If that's not something again that you you feel like is a part of of, of your life, a uh, part of your psyche, but hope really is a crucial thing because it 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 allows us to see that to, what's happening today is either beautiful or it sucks. But tomorrow's a different chapter and a, a new story can be written. And um, this isn't the end of my story. Today is not, does not define my story. It is the hope of my story um, ending up differently tomorrow or starting out differently. So um, each day is, is really a new chapter. I was listening to something not that long ago that talked about how the low points that happen to you are what make your life story really great is that you can say like I faced this but that allowed me to open a nonprofit and travel to South Africa and help all of these people in need and like you say all of your roads lead back to 9-11 but you wouldn't have been able to uh, want to accomplish all these great things for yourself for your husband for families for children for so many people that have been impacted by you and your husband and that's insane. I mean, I think that people lose sight of that, obviously, because the negativity is so overwhelming. But. I think a lot of people, when push comes to shove, if you have two people in front of you that you could potentially be friends with, and friend number one has led a kind of a picture, I don't know many of these people, but has led a picture perfect life and has has had very few trials and tribulations. And person number two has been through hell and back. I think a lot of people would choose, you know, person two to be friends with, knowing that you're getting the real deal. You're getting somebody who has been there, done that, seen this, and they, they're still out there, still wanting to be your friend. There's a realness about them and a genuineness and, and oftentimes a, a vulnerability that, that can't be accessed by somebody who hasn't been through things. I know for me, uh, if I had those two people in front of me, I would choose every single time the person who's been through hell and back because I know that I'm getting somebody who, who gets life, who would probably get me who would probably not sweat the small stuff because they've seen all the big stuff. They know what, what, what levels things should be on. They're not, they're usually not touchy people. They're usually pretty chillaxed. You know, they pick their battles. They, 
they can love with abandon because they know what it's like to be unloved or feel unloved. They, it's, it's the people who have been through stuff that, that, that you want to go to. Hands they're, down. they're the people who, who really embrace life, get life on a, such a deep level and are probably going to make the better friends. Absolutely. What that, I loved that. I loved every word you just said. That was so beautifully worded and it's so true. And we just don't look at that. And so then you have to turn around and apply it to yourself and say, who do you want to be? You want to be this perfect right. image? No, absolutely right. not. You want to be that good person, that good friend that's well experienced and can relate to people on a genuine, real level. That's so powerful. Years ago, there was decades ago, there was, there was a book that came out that some like, um, safe people, I think it was something like that. And, and I remember there was a chapter on how to become a safe person yourself. And I remember thinking, that's what I want to do. I want to be a safe person. I want to be that person that somebody goes to because uh, they know that I'm not going to do them dirtier. I, 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 I wish everything good on that person. Like yeah. I want to, how do I be that person? That's the person I want to be. That's the person I want to be. That's the person I want to go to. Um, it, because in, in, and here's another thing about, about people who've been through hell and back. A lot of them want to give back. They want to help other people through their tough times because they've been there, done that. Then it looks like they're the people going to help you over the bridge. They're the people who are going to lay it down because they want things to be not as ugly for you as you're crossing that, that, that tough part. And you, that's another thing that you want in a friend is that um, uh, if they've been through hell and back or they've been through tough times, they're probably going to want to help you through yours because that's just kind of what your default ends up being when you've been through tough stuff. And, and, and that I certainly feel that way that, like, for instance, we were homeless for several weeks after 9-11. We couldn't but get back to our apartment. I'd never had that feeling before. I'd never been able to not lay my head on my own beloved pillow before. And it was only a few weeks, but I, I was very discombobulated by that. So like not having my clothes, not having my stuff, not having a place to go. We couch surfed, we, we did this, we did that. And it, it was just a few weeks, you mm -hmm. know, and I, when I look at people who are homeless, who have been homeless for years or refugees who had to leave their own country because of destruction and death and, and natural disasters and man-made disasters, I would never have had the empathy that I had for my little two weeks. These are people who have far worse than I had for far longer, but I don't think I would have ever gained that empathy for that if I hadn't had those two displaced weeks. And it's one of the reasons why my husband and I have our nonprofit. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just from two weeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, but again, it, it's, it made me like, have a real empathy that it made me want to help others. And I, but I also think that it's not just me who wants to do that. Lots of people who've been through stuff, uh, come out the other side, wanting to help others through their own. Yeah. Kind of on the flip side of having the community and having supportive people and being friends with people that are real and genuine. We have people that like, aren't there for us or don't want to hear about your trauma or invalidate your trauma. So what's interesting about the two events that you've been through 9-11 and COVID is not only do you have people that potentially invalidate trauma on a low level, like, oh, I don't want to hear about your 
story or your garbage or dig through your garbage, that kind of situation. But like you have an entire nation of people that have called 9-11 a conspiracy, have said that COVID is fake. How do you like cope with that? Because I mean, that's, that was my first thought when you said that you were, you not only saw the plane go into the tower, you were blown back by that physically you experienced that. And people have the audacity to come up with like CGI things of saying the plane disappears into the building. So how do you cope with people? Funny how that happens. That's what happens with a firsthand account, uh, you know, and you're hearing those things. I'm like, Hmm, so funny. Like, Wow, did I just imagine everything I experienced? Right. Um, okay, so so don't get me wrong. Again, here's my anger comes in. Yes, I get angry. I can get angry. Conspiracy theorists came out within a week after 9-11. So wow, really? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I remember so I I live near 9-11. I've lived near 9-11 um 23 years, so something like that. So they were they were coming out of the woodwork within a week. There were people who were picketing as close as they could get to the destruction site as soon as they could get down there to 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 express their conspiracy theories about it so this is not new to me i mean this as as long as there's been a 911 there's been conspiracy theorists so at least that that's no new news to me you know i had lots of time to to kind of deal with that but um and, the, and with covid too is you know <laughs> Here I am fighting for my life literally twice in the hospital. And when I would go on social media, people were fighting about wearing masks. And I'm like, I'm so far beyond whether to wear a mask or I, right now I'm trying to live, you know, like I have flown right on over the whole mask thing. It went right on to, I'm about to die. So it's, it's, it's so funny. Like, um, (laughs) So like, uh, you've heard that meme, um, uh, there, there are people who argue and the rest just do or something like that. I'm like, I did it. Didn't even want to do it. And I didn't even have time to argue. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah, unfortunately I'm a doer. (laughs) So all I can say to that is, um, you know, there's, I, I just, I, I give nine alive 11 talks all over the world and there are conspiracy theorists all over the world. Uh, so I just don't address it because there's, there's, I, I, I basically say, I'm just here to talk about my firsthand account. I also am a historian. I give, t- uh, as a, as a tour guide, I give tours weekly of the 9-11 site, of the 9-11 memorial. So um, it's a, a huge part of my life. So I have a firsthand account. I'm also a historian on it. That's what I'm here to share. And I, I can't address anything else. So it's almost like um, that would be wasted energy on my part to, to address it. But I, th- I feel like you're asking, the bigger question you're asking is, is what about invalidation? Just, mm-hmm. in, just in general, big picture invalidation. So, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I was suffering from long, long um, haul uh, COVID uh, syndrome before it was termed. And I knew something was wrong with my body. I would go to all the, these doctors who'd be like, there's nothing wrong with you or, or, or just they, they, and then it turns out, you know, months and months later, they realized that long haul COVID was actually a thing. And there was a lot of people suffering from it. It's, it, that's where your, your kind of your inner strength comes in. It's your inner strength to say, if your friends or your loved ones are invalidating uh, your response, they might not be your tribe. That it might be time to reassess who your tribe is because people who love you um, doesn't mean that we all have to agree with each other, but they're going to validate your feelings on things and hear you out and, and care that you're upset about that. Just 
just a just a human caring that that you're that you're upset about something that something's bothering you that um, so if if somebody is, is showing you that 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 invalidation or they don't care or disagreeing with you on a level that that um, doesn't even take your your emotions into into play then that might not be your tribe I am a big per, a big believer in finding your tribe and there is somebody for everyone. And there's different ways to find your tribe, but um, I, I do feel like a lot of people try to fit a square peg in a round hole. Of, mm -hmm. of, of um, but you know, um, you, you need to be around people who are who 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 really love you and want to see you flourish. And, and wanting to see you flourish means a lot of things. Um, so you want be, to be around people who 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 see your flourish. But you know, there's also got to be that strength of like if if you come around somebody and they totally tell you off or or, or say do a, an insensitive comment, there needs to be somewhat of that balance of saying, you know, they invalidated me and it was unkind and uncaring, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trying with this person because I've said unkind and invalidating people, other people as well, and didn't realize it. So it's kind of that balance of, of giving people grace, but knowing when it's time to walk away um, because they're, uh, you know, they're doing your disservice after a while. So it's, it's that, you know, and I hate to say it, it's kind of an age thing with me is to know when, you know, you know what, I know that person is just tired. They didn't mean that ugly comment. I love that person. I know that person loves me. I'm going to give them this, this time. I might bring it up to them later when they're better like, Hey, kind of felt invalidated that you said this to me. Or if you have someone has shown you time and time again, that, that that um, uh, they're going to kind of walk all of your feelings, and it's 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 time to find the, your tribe of people who who really care about you and want you to flourish. But you know you're going to face that in life um, from from everybody, and it's it's that kind of that strength of character to say, you know what, I'm a bigger person than this, and I'm, I've got some choices in front of me what I'm going to do with this situation. And this person who just said this to me. And here's, here's option A, option B, option C and, and, and weigh all those. But that, that is something that um, we all have to make our journey through. Uh, it's just the biggest thing is, is, is not being um, abused on, on a basis. And we need to, to be, stand clear because there's people out there who just want to abuse. Um, and then there's people out there who just want us to flourish and we have to make our journeys and, and figure what the landmines are and, 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 and take that seriously. So Do you have, what are your tips for finding your tribe? It sounds like you've been good at finding community, like in everything that you've been through, you're like very, it seems like you're very quick to be able to be like, all right, where are my people? <laughs> I can't do it like, by myself. I'm like, I'm out of here. You know, uh, things that are important to me. So, so when, when I grew up and I wanted to be an actress and I moved to New York city, my tribe was, and still is uh, creative people or, or former actors or present actors, because those, uh, even though I'm not an actress anymore, those were people that I just felt a real simpatico with. We had this common love of Broadway and the theater and that kind of creative way of expressing ourselves. And, um, and not to say that there's not snarky people in that community too, but I felt like there was, there was a, an, an ethos of the lens that we saw the, the world 
were very similar. At least, you know, we had that in common. We may have very little else in some other ways, you know, with different people I would have met along the way in that industry. But we had that lens that we saw through life, that we appreciated this form of art and creative and creativity and the lens that we saw the world through. So it's almost like your passions and hobbies that they, uh, even, and, and again, your faith, you know, you're, you're looking at the lens, uh, the lens of life in the same way. And we don't all look at through the same lens of life. So it's, it really, is just knowing like, what are your passions and hobbies and, and your faith beliefs and, and trying to form a community or se seek out a community within those because because you, again, you want people who can process the world in the same way as you. And you, but here's the thing: you got to put yourself out there, and not a lot of people are good at that. Not a lot of people are good at. But but that that's how you're gonna. There, there's kind of no other way to do it. Is no, and out there. The first times you do it are gonna suck, and you might not be good at it. But you know, I feel like it gets easier the more the more you do it too. The more you're like wait, this isn't like the hardest thing in the world. And there's <laughs> so many more avenues than there used to be when I was your age. There's, well, there is the internet, you know, which actually wasn't around in my early twenties. So, so you can find your online groups. Um, and that way, of course, I'm a, I'm a face-to-face -face person. I, I want to, 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 to find my, my tribe, um, in a face-to-face -face way, because I like seeing people right in front of me, but, but, you know, there's, there's so many more ways of, of finding groups that, that share your same outlook on life and hobbies and, and the things that make you tick. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a soft landing to find people really on the, on the, on uh, internet groups or online groups. Um, but really what you want to do is to, to find your, your, your face-to-face -face people. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I know it's harder for some people to spread themselves out there and to risk because they, to some people, it is a risk. Am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be loved for who I am? But it's really the only way to, to, to find your, your people. Yeah. I want to ask you, I had this question for you already, but then you made the comment about how the person commented on your story about like, God must hate her. But I'm, <laughs> but, but I'm curious. <laughs> but I'm curious. What would you say to people that feel like they're a magnet for tragedy, <laughs> or the person who said God? God yeah, God, or that person. <laughs> that person. I said I, that's not how I look at God. Um, yeah. I, I look at God as love, and but we live in just a, a broken world and a fallen world, and. Um, I think most most faiths will say that that there is a, a certain level of brokenness around us, and that's the level from which some people speak. And so we have to put that into to being. But I look at it as as, as kind of God gave us free free will on this earth, and um, uh, he he loves me. What he what God promises that he would he he'll help me through something, but not that the obstacle won't be there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God can take away an obstacle, but for the most part, you're going to be going up against things that you're, that you're going to rely on your faith to, to get you through rather than to move it out of your way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that actually is fine with me, meaning like I, I accept that there's going to be obstacles, whether it was man-made or things that I did to cause it, but that, um, I rely on how my higher power to, to, to help me learn and move on and grow um, from that. 
so I just don't, I just don't look at it that way as, as God's going to shoot me down or God's going to like harm this person. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's a broken world and we're just navigating uh, through it. And the higher power is there to, to, to be, be, be our strength and comfort to navigate it. So, um, I don't know if that answers it, but I, yeah. and that's, it's a, it's a very rudimentary way of looking at life, but that, that is how I, I, I fully embrace that. So with that, then how can somebody prevent a victim mentality? <laughs> the victim mentality is, 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 is tough because I mean, we're all operating under the premises that it's life and it's going to kick us all down. And so if you, if you stay there and say, oh, what was me? And um, why does this all happen to me? It all happens to me. Well, it actually happens to everybody. Um, and yes, yes, yes. Some people have a, a lion's share of situations going on. But isn't that interesting how somebody can, can have a huge amount of, of obstacles and they, they smile their way through, they, 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 they keep overcoming, they keep moving forward, um, hard pressed, but, they, but, they, but they, they move on and they still make it work for them. They still lead productive, uh, dare I say happy, if not um, joy-filled uh, joy lives. You know, they, they, uh, they can... They can smile through the rain and or, or still accomplish you know things uh, whereas other people just would rather just kind of just say hey life sucks i got the lion's share of crap and i'm pissed it's just i mean we all have that choice in front of us and we all we all choose what what our reality is going to be and how we're going to deal with it and like i said what we've been talking about this whole time is is if we have that choice, are, how are we going to adapt? How are we going to move on? How are we going to flourish? How are we going to, to navigate life with a modicum of joy and love and giving and, and the spirit of, 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 of overcoming? Um, and the, the first is to decide if that's what you even want to do. You know, it, it, it is a choice to sit there and say, it sucks. Okay, well, that's a choice. But, you know, people aren't going to want to be around you. People aren't going to want to, um, you're not going to, you're going to, it's going to be a lonely, it's, it's a lonely road to walk as a victim. And you know why, it, it, a main way why it's lonely is because no one wants to hear it. I mean, people, people, oh, people definitely are, care about each other. It's, it's, but we all are, are, are facing our own battles, private or public. And there's kind of a sense of, well, honey, if you knew what I was going through, or if you knew, you don't know the battle inside my heart. You don't, you don't know the battle that I only tell my husband or my best friends. And if you did, you know, um, you know that people can resent that because it's like, hey, we all, we've all got it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, we all get to decide how we're going to, to deal with it. And I'm hoping that what me and you talked about is, is going to be um, inspirational for people to realize that the better way to choose is, is the, the overcoming way because it's helpful to humanity. It's helpful to yourself. It's helpful to your loved ones. And uh, I just think we were put on this earth to lift each other up instead of bring each other down. I just, mm -hmm. I just look at it that way and, and hopefully people choose life. Um, yeah. That's what I wish for everybody is that they choose life and we all get to make that reality and make that choice. 
How big of a role does forgiveness play here? Ooh, <laughs> that's so difficult. <laughs> forgiveness is so difficult. Forgiveness is is one of my my uh, uh, is a harder thing for me. Part of it is because I remember everything. <laughs> I'm like forgive, but don't forget. I mean, I wish I were forgetful and I know people who are, and yeah. I just, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I think I'm a, a pretty decent writer is because I remember literally everything and I'm like, Oh, I wish I'd forget that. I wish I'd forget that. You know? But, um, I, for, forgiveness at the very basic level is, 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 is what all the, the well-intentioned memes say is forgiveness takes away the chain, your chains, so you can move on and be productive forgiveness can look different with different people, I think, but I think at the very basic level, it's forgiveness is, is a tool that you use so you can move on and you need to move on. Right. I think that like with forgiveness, the reason like you and I probably both struggle, I can, at least for myself, but we can both struggle with it so hard is because for me, forgiveness equals telling that person what they did is okay. And it's not, like you say, it's taking the chains off for yourself. It has nothing to do with what another person that's hurt you or an event that's hurt you. It's you being able to say, okay, I need to remove myself from the chains of this horrible tragedy or this trauma or this event. Because really, I mean, the older I get, the more I realize, wow, what just caused me so much pain, that person just caused me so much pain and they probably didn't lose a wink of sleep over it. And that really is the reality. And that I, I, I embrace that and understand that and on a deeper level, the older I get. So I'm up here, tossing and turning, gnashing of teeth, upset, weeping, not eating, bad mood for the rest of the day or week or whatever that is. And that person didn't lose a wink of sleep. So who's lost in that situation? It's me. So. So we have to move on because for our own selves, you know, again, they're not losing any sleep and it's just ruined this and ruined that for me. So, so it's, yeah, it's loosening those chains and however we can do it, but, but really like um, revenge isn't going to do it. Revenge isn't, I mean, if, if you need to call people to the carpet for different things or go to superior to talk about bad behavior, I'm not talking about that. There's always those um, kind of disclaimers of, of you know, um, work, work people or who do you dirty or whatever. I'm just talking about a, like a friend who hurts you or like somebody who said an offhand comment. You just, um, you, you, you got to do what you got to do to separate, separate that. Um, revenge isn't going to be the answer. Um you got to move on. And however, you got to place that in your brain or throw it in your heart or stamping it on the ground. It's, it's, It's up to you to do it. That person hasn't lost any sleep over it. So it's up to you to move on. And that's a burden and it's a pain. And that's another way that's like, hey, now they not only hurt me, now I get to move on or it's gonna hurt me. So yes. now you've got double hurt. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to forgive you for hurting me. And now I've got to forgive you for the time it's taking me to move on. <laughs> yes, there's so many layers. <laughs> guess what? Yes. <laughs> Speaking on the work thing too, just because I thought of it, that it's, there, I think there's a difference between vengeance and standing up for yourself. You know what I mean? Like if something like that were to happen, like you should have your own back. You should make sure that the person gets 
the punishment they deserve or whatever in the sense of standing up for yourself. But I think it turns into this like vengeance when you're like going out of your way to be hateful and you're affecting yourself more. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. And and I'm not talking, you know, everything I'm saying, I mean, it's not going to be a one size fit all for every situation as we know. Mm-hmm. And then I am the queen of standing up for myself. I, I, if somebody says something, if I don't like catch it right away, I will go back to the person saying, Hey, I've been thinking about this. Did you really mean that? Because that, uh, that seemed off to me or here's how I took it. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, I went to a therapy, I love therapy, right? And I think, I think everybody needs therapy and I think therapy is wonderful. Uh, but a therapist, uh, told me, um, a a key is to ask questions. Um, if, if you really need to confront somebody and you need to work something out in order to move on, it is, instead of saying you did this and you did that say, Hey, I got this text. Can you explain more of what you meant by this? Or, because I, I realized through that therapy session that I never ask questions. I label it, I stamp it, here's what it was, here's what that did, here was the meaning behind it, and I'm pissed and blah, blah, blah. And that really puts the onus back on that person when you ask questions. Explain to me why. Um, I, I, I want to understand, I want to see your point of view. And I feel like that not only makes you vulnerable, but it gives the person an out um, and it allows them to be vulnerable too, instead of attacked. So mm-hmm. I really think that that is a tool that's, that is what a lot of us are missing is asking questions whether than, rather than stamping or labeling it uh, immediately. You know, just finding out where did you come from to, to say that to me or text that or email that I want to understand more really uh, can diffuse a lot of situations, but barring, a, you know, a, a petty grievance or whatever. Um, if we need to go to um, our bosses, our managers, um, uh, you know, bad behavior can't continue. And you're no one called you to be a whipping post for somebody's bad behavior. Yeah, that's not what we're here for on the earth. Um, is to be just a human whipping post. Um, I never would advise anybody to stay in in a. a a continually abusive situation that doesn't help doesn't help you it definitely doesn't help the person they need to confront what's going on in their own lives of why they feel the need to create human whipping posts for their frustration uh, it doesn't help them that you're that person because they're not confronting in their own lives of what's really upsetting them in the first place what a graceful mindset shift that's so true that you're like i'm actually helping you get away from me <laughs> yeah, or confronting what you need to confront yeah you know, if- yeah, I'm not. I'm not here for you to just dump. Um, I, I I care that that you're confronting what you need to in in your life, so you can move on. Yeah. So yeah. How so? Is that almost how you seek closure? By yeah. Asking these it is. It is. Yeah. It is. What do you do when you can't reach out to the, like you can't reach out to New York City and be like, hey, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for like that kind of closure? I put myself in timeout. Right. Literally. Like, so literally, um, I was kind of, uh, angry at New York city or just feeling like what the heck. And so I, I was, I moved away for two years and, and, um, even tried on, I would say kind of a new life just to see if, um, um, I, I literally just, I, I wanted to, to clear my brain and, uh, and embrace some other things so I could come back to, um, to the situation with a new perspective. 
I do feel that way of just, of just literally like filling my brain with, with other things, getting physically away from the situation. Mm -hmm. So I can take time away, give myself a new perspective, come back and reassess. I do that a lot. I, I literally say, Hey, I'm going to bow out for a little while. If you don't hear from me, no worries. I just, I, I need some time to myself. And there's, I think a lot of people understand that. And so I was able to, after a couple of years of, of um, really kind of turning my head in a new direction, I was able to turn back to New York and say, okay, now let's look at this again. What was that again? You know, and um, so I think, I think there, is, there is value. And literally, if you can, if you can manage it, taking a break. Mm-hmm. And don't ghost somebody. I'm not a fan of ghosting because some people are super sensitive not not understanding why that'll be really hurtful. Just, just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take some time to myself and, um, I, uh, I need to work some stuff out. We'll get back with you. Uh, even if that's a year, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, calling it, naming it, claiming it and taking some time off. That's mm-hmm. that's what helps me. What would you say a toxic trait that you used to succumb to? What have you overcome? What toxic trait would you proudly say you no longer fall victim to? Oh, the first one that, that came to mind is, um, <laughs> I mean, I've been happily married now for 22 years, 22, 22, um, 23, 22. So, um, I, I'm terrible at math. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> same. Whatever the hell that is. So, um, before then, um, I, I got married, I was in all of these really dead end relationships and, um, with, with people who, again, trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole and allowing myself to not be respected, um, allowing disrespect, allowing, um, uh, even in some cases, some, some emotional abuse. And when I look back now, I was like, why did I ever allow that? Um, and I have to say the, the, the man that I married, uh, I dated a guy for about three years before my husband, who was, who, who really, uh, he, well, now I, I realize he fits the bill for narcissism. He yeah. checks every box of, of that, that particular, particular like disorder. And um, that was, it was such a hurtful confusing, manipulative time that really wore down my sense of self and, and my sense of self-worth. And I look, I was so angry for years. Like, why the heck did I allow that? Allow somebody to tear me down like that or make me feel bad about myself. And, um, I will say that my husband is such a contrast to that, that there only when I got about 10 years in the relationship that I, with my husband, that I realized if I hadn't gone through that hard time, I don't think I would have realized all the wonderful char- characteristics and been attracted to all the wonderful characteristics that were at the opposite. And my husband, I'm not even sure I would have married my husband. I don't think I would have recognized that I need the opposite from what that man gave me. The opposite is in this man right here. And turns out he is a, a wonderful blessing. And so as, as, as much as I'd love to still talk bad about that ex, I do, I have, my position has changed. I believe that he was 
such a, a, a bad, intense warning of, 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 of what's, what's, the, what's the worst that could be, that I was able to recognize the opposite in my husband. Now, I wish not everybody had to go through those, that hard journey that mm -hmm. I went to with, with, uh, to be able to, to recognize the man that I ended up marrying. But it was through the hard knocks that made me, again, understand, help to develop that inner strength. Mm -hmm. But I do think that I allowed myself to be um, emotionally manipulated a lot when I was single to, to not know my worth, to um, not, not recognize, um, not value myself and my opinions and my voice. And so I think there has been in my life a, um, a tendency to devalue my own voice. And I saw it play out um, to the extreme in that relationship. And that is something that I, I don't feel at all anymore. I feel very much I value my voice. I value myself. Or I, I, I do have a good sense of self. And, um, and that is something that was completely overcome. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all have moments of not feeling 100%. But that, that uh, was a hard lesson that I do feel like I particularly overcame. Awesome. All right. So to close us out, we're going to play a quick game. I love to just bring humanity to people that have given us so many inspirational tips just to kind of show that you're a person too, that deals with the kind of toxic, kind of well things that we all go through in life. So that's the name of the game, kind of toxic, kind of well. So to start it out, done that. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> what or who are you jealous of? Jealous. Ooh, gosh, I'm jealous of different aspects of people. Um, can I say more admire? Okay. I don't mean to throw it on its heel. But no, I guess please. So I, I'm more of an admirer than a jealous sir. <laughs> <laughs> I admire, I admire a lot of people, but I really admired, uh, this sounds silly, but um, Shirley Temple Black. That is a woman who, um, if you remember Shirley Temple, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people know her from when she was a, a child actress in the 30s, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, that woman had a more, far more interesting life than any of that. That's the least of what I'm interested in it. She became like an ambassador. She became happily married. She was all over the world um, doing wonderful things for people and for groups. And she was so accomplished in so many things that what people know her for, which was her acting days when she was a child is the least of her stuff. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm totally crushing on feeling like, uh, what's going on now in my life is there's much more to come. Mm -hmm. And that I, I, my, 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 my best days are, are in the future or, you know, she was the queen of reinvention. And so I, I am, <clears throat> I admire that because I, I admire how she was able to slip from one world and one success to the other. And I'd like to feel that um, I've done some of that in my life and there's a lot more to come. Awesome. I will. I, I want to say too, that I like that you do use the word admire. Cause a lot of the time I say that you should take the things that you're jealous of and 
look inside and figure out why you're jealous. So then you can kind of level up to that next thing. So I do like the use of that word. <laughs> what is the last time you people please instead of doing or saying what you really wanted? <laughs> last night, last night, my husband had relatives in town who wanted to go out and stay out pretty late. And I really didn't want to go out at all. I wanted to stay home and watch. Uh, and just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to watch the episodes of just like that instead of go out with my husband's uh, relatives who are who are nice people. But you know what? When you're when you're married, you know you, you there are some things that you need to compromise on, and that was important to him. And so I went out and I was like, "Aren't we having fun yet?" You're like, "I'm just gonna face this smile on my face and go." I can watch this. Just yes, I can watch those episodes tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> when are you selfish? Um, I'm selfish when it comes to um, things that that make me happy, which is traveling. I get when I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> like like I, I I'm selfish about some things that I uh, like. I feel like keeps my e- equilibrium, and and traveling for some reason helps me keep my. It's a self care. So I get yeah. I get selfish about my self cares. And uh, traveling to me is a self-care. So I, you know, when it's, when it's time to go, I will go. <laughs> what do you find yourself overthinking about? I find myself overthinking uh, about um, <clears throat> how my friends are and if they're okay. Mm, okay. I, I, I think about my friends a lot and I worry about them or I guess worry, is, worry in some ways over some of them. If some are going, going through hard times, but I, I, um, I oftentimes wonder, is there something I can do to help somebody? Or um, I have a hard time relaxing. And um, I, where it comes out in me is, is um, with my friends. I want everybody okay and happy. Mm-hmm. And so um, instead of just relaxing and know that they can take care of their own stuff and they don't need me coming over and watching their dog or saying, let's go out. Or, let's go out. <laughs> I, I probably, but that really stems from having a hard time relaxing mm-hmm. and, and also loving my friends so much. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's pro I probably do a little bit overthinking on that, but you know, but you know, you sound like an Enneagram seven. Are you an Enneagram? Seven? I, I really feel that I, I think I am. And if I, so I'm so sad, I can't remember, but I think it's, a, I know it's seven, eight or nine. What are you picky about? I'm picky about, actually, I'm pretty chillaxed about a lot of things that people are picky about. I'm picky about uh, things concerning my husband because his, his well-being is very important to me. So if something affects him, I get picky about it because he's such a support system to me that I, I, I want him I want to do whatever in my power to make, make ensure that he's happy and healthy because he's, he's so wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to ask you this question. What makes you quick to get angry? Hmm. In general, if I don't have my coffee in the morning, it's, it's a problem for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. <laughs> the point of self-care is having some good coffee and kombucha. That's another kombucha person. Yes. Okay. It's just like instant happiness. Interesting. You know what? I have not gotten into it, but if I'm being completely honest, I haven't tried it. I'm a little afraid of it. I love it. I love it. Yes. All right, deal. You're going to convince me. I'm going to go buy it from the store today. (laughs) 
It's, it's, it's an acquired taste. So okay. just keep thinking. Okay. <laughs> you got a specific flavor that you recommend? Ginger. All right, deal. I'll try it. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Ah, let's see. Uh, fear, 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 fear. Huh. Ooh, this is kind of sad. Um, I have a terrible fear of flying. And I shouldn't be saying this because I'm about to fly on about a 16-hour um, flight. But that is from 9-11. And I better not talk much about her. It's going to make this next flight hard. But uh, yeah. that's about my biggest one. And it's it's debilitating. But, mm -hmm. but yet, know. do the thing you fear, right? Because if you don't, you're going to give in to it. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm about to do a 16-hour flight. <laughs> if you don't overcome your fear, it becomes your limitation. If I give in to that, then I don't do a lot of things that mean a lot to me. So if I give in to that, then that takes away A, B, C, and D of things that give me a lot of joy. So mm -hmm. I can't give in. Amen. What do you not have empathy for? Ooh. Uh, well, something that we were just talking about. I, I, oh, I shouldn't uh, reveal this, but I, I, I do have a hard time feeling empathy for for people who mire themselves in victimhood. Mm. Um, I, I do because I understand the dynamics of what got them there. But if somebody stays there, that can be a hard place for me. Mainly because I, if somebody's staying there, they're staying there, there willfully. And so it's hard to talk somebody off the ledge of victimhood. So, um, and, and that's the thing, if, if you can't provide any assistance or help, then you just gotta let them let them do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, and, um, so, so somebody who has, has chosen to stay in victimhood perpetually, um, without any help, um, that, that is a harder thing for me because I see so much life in everybody mm -hmm. and to, for somebody to not choose life is very sad for me. So I, I wouldn't say, I would say more of it makes me something that makes me sad. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to someone trying to improve themselves or become more well than toxic, what would it be? Ooh, this sounds like such a cliche, but gratefulness. Oh, I know that's a cliche. Just start <laughs> slow. Start with just a few things right now, today, which is the only thing we have is today. What today are you grateful for? You know, it may be a blanket because you're cold. It may be that you're able to get a decent uh, meal, you know? So, but, but we all have a, a few things. It may just be, Hey, I feel good today physically. So, um, but yeah, gratitude. Yeah. Good one. It's, oh, it's cliche, but it's good. And that's why. <laughs> I know. I, I apologize in advance for the cliche. It's really <laughs> Where can people find you? So I have a website called Christina Ray Stanton, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-R-A-Y-S-T-A-N-T-O-N.com. Um, and that's all of my writings. That's also, um, I make a lot of appearances. I go speaking at a lot of places, like for this year's 9-11, I'm speaking at Florida Southern University to the student body there. Um, I, I'm, I write something, I'm having like seven things published and some major thing, major publications this summer. So if you're interested in knowing like people I'm profiling or, or um, they're all, they're either usually psychologically faith-based or inspirational, uh, an inspirational story of some kind, um, I always post them on my website. So check me out there. Amazing. Christina, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Thank you for having me. Finally. I, finally. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>